Great to be with you all. Are you well? Good. I'm on some new tablets now, so I might move a bit faster. Surprising, you know, I went to um, a new consultant in Nottingham. And um, he looked at me for about uh, 15 minutes and he said to me, uh, I've got some news for you. I said, well, so I said, you've got Parkinson's. I said, well, I knew that. He said, yes, but I know it now. He said, you've been undertreated for over a year. He said, if I'd have dealt with you, you wouldn't have had any of these symptoms. He said, in a year's time, you'll be cycling and swimming. Your face or, your face, face or mask will go. So now I'm drugged up to the hilts now. I'm so drugged up now, my hair stands up, my wife has to keep laying it down. I'll ask you a simple question. Is this as good as it gets? If it is, most of us are disappointed. Our problem is, we settle for mediocrity. We settle for where we are and thank God we're not where we used to be. Do you know, what is a Christian? A Christian is not somebody who dies to self and lives to Christ, but they are born again. And that is a progress and a process. Amen. We were born not as adults. We were born as babies. Now I want to look at what that means because Paul has to turn around and say, I'm frustrated because you're not where you should be and it's not where you could be and it's not where you want to be. We've got to learn to... what changes ask myself a question how am I different now than I was 10 years ago am I more on fire less on fire am I more mature less mature what's changed in my life what needs to change in my life am I happy to have all the defects I've got now saying well that's who I am that's just the way I am that is a defeatist attitude where it means we've stopped growing in God let me turn to you to Ephesians Paul says this in one Ephesians 1, 22, 23, English Standard Version. And God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things, say all, all. to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's the head of the church. We are his body. He is the head. We are his body. So the body should reflect what the head is thinking. When I failed my medical right to go and have a brain scan and the doctor said, congratulations, contrary to public opinion, you got one. And I said, well, everybody's challenged that for many years. But they said, we want to know what's causing lack of mobility because there's something wrong with the brain. You've either got Alzheimer's, you've got a tumour or you've got Parkinson's. Because something is dysfunctional in the brain because your movement is being affected. You're dragging your foot, you're shaking, your speech is affected. What is affecting the brain? Because if the brain can be sorted out, then the rest of the body can operate. We don't have to worry about the brain as Christians, it's the body. And the question is, why are we so often immobile? Why is it sometimes <coughs> our speech is being affected? Why is it that our movements are not what they should be? Why is it that we don't get where we should be at the time we should be at? What's gone wrong? Because we know the head is okay because the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in Christ. He is the head and we are the body of the church. Yeah. And so he's saying to them, he is the fullness of the fullness. Now the interesting thing is in the, in the Greek, it means the fullness of him that fills it all simply means this in the Birmingham language. I've translated it into the Birmingham language, some Greek. It means I'm stuffed. Now, do you understand that, anybody from the sort of Worcestershire, Warwickshire, Birmingham area? How are you feeling? I'm feeling stuffed. Would you like something else to eat? No, I'm stuffed. 
If I had anything else, I'd be sick because I'm stuffed. So in the Greek, the fullness of the fullness means I'm stuffed. But the truth is, and the truth is, we've got to be honest today, this church, the churches I've pastored, this country, you are not stuffed. There's room for more. Yeah, amen. The, the, the amen. problem is, if you don't feed that, you lose the, the incentive to eat. I've lost one and a half stone. Some of you may notice, saying, yeah. Dave, you're looking good. Looking good. Shut up. <laughs> you're my friend. You only said, yeah, but I only said it because I told you. <laughs> but you see, the reason that being is because of the illness I had, I didn't want to eat. And where God has been very gracious because I was choking all the time. In the last eight weeks, I've not choked at all. And I can eat again, so I'll put weight on again. Because you see, the brain said, I don't want to eat. There was something wrong with my brain. Now our problem is, again, now if it was a doctor, what is wrong? Because the brain's okay. So why aren't we eating the word? Why have we lost weight as Christians? Why have churches stopped growing? Why is the nation in a mess? What's gone wrong between brain and body? Because the fullness of the fullness is God says, I've come that you may be stuffed and you may be stuffed eternally. That you would sit down and say, oh God, please, I don't need any more. I'm so full, I don't know what to do. And then God says, right, now what are you going to do? If you don't exercise, then you become fat. So you work it off. You burn it off in exercise. Go ye into all the world. So if we're not going into the world, we're not changing society it's either because we're so fat, we're too lazy, or we're undernourished. And Paul's having to address this. And he said, He's the fullness of the fullness of the fullness to the body, which is you. Now, the Christian life is not static or minimal. We do not maintain our relationship with Christ or other people. The Bible says we've been translated and transported from glory here to glory there. We should be on the move. Somebody said to me the other day, how come you're 78, you travel 46 miles, my chauffeur and his beautiful wife, you travel 46 miles every Sunday and you're running a church which has been in total decline, you're having to sort all the mess out. You're 78 and you're not well. I said, because the day I stop, I'm dead. Mm, Because I'm still growing. I'm still going. I'm still functioning. I haven't sit down, I'm 78 now. Everybody else quits at 65. No way. Because my attitude is, is the head is my fullness and I'm growing. Paul says, here's the problem. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you still aren't. 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I'm frustrated because I'm giving you a level of teaching and I'm encouraging you at a level that you should not be at. You know, when old people get old, they go back to being childhood. They lose their teeth, wet themselves daily and drink food because they can't chew it. They go back, in re- they recess. Christians can go back and recess. Right. Amen. Churches can go back and recess. Right. Easily offended, easily upset. Can't eat the food. Can't, no mobility. Just want to protect what they've got, become inclusive and exclusive. That must never be. The expectation is of growth into maturity, into the word. He calls them babes in Christ. That's not a compliment. Their immaturity causes them to totally fall out with people. Because that doesn't happen in this church, does it? They fall out with people, like children do. Get frustrated like children do. Throw their toys out of the pram, just like children do. 
a level of maturity is often seen as the level that we take offence. I wonder, I love that word. I've taken offence of what you've just said. So why did you take it? Why did you take it? When I counsel people as a pastor, and I still know because I'm still a pastor, I've got a church in Tamworth now, as you know. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm leaving because I've got offended. Somebody said this to me and they've done that. And I said, well, why did you take it? You see, when people, get ups- when people upset you, it actually does you a favour because it tests where you are in God. So rather than fall out with them, turn around to God and say they've exposed something in my life which needs addressing. Yes. That doesn't mean we're a doormat. No. doesn't mean we let people abuse us. But how we deal with the issue shows who we are in God. Amen. Are we growing in God? Amen. I've passed it for 50 years. 50 odd years and I've told you this story and I'll tell you again. I'll keep telling you until you remember it. A girl came to me and she said, Pastor Dave, I'm leaving the church. Put the best frock on. Nice when they dress up to leave the church. Put the best frock on. Put the makeup on. She said, Pastor Dave, it's nothing to do with you. I really love you. That's nice. I'm just going to suffer for somebody else now. Here we go. I'm losing you because somebody's upset you and it's not my fault because you love me. Just don't love them. In the church of 2000, then there's a lot of people not to love. So I said, so what's wrong? Well, I've tried to forgive. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. And this is all they've done. So I said, right. Okay, so you got your best frock on because that's a Birmingham word, best. I said, now listen, I promise you that I'll get your dress cleaned if anything goes wrong. She went, pardon? I said, just let me stand here a moment. Excuse the back, it's the best part of me. Said anything yet? She went, no. No. Thanks. I'll take you next time. Anything next? Anything yet? No. I said, you wonder why I'm saying that? I said, I've been stabbed in the back by Christians so many times. Blood should have come all over you now. Mm-hmm. But there's no holes there now because I filled them in. Mm-hmm. And if this church is going to go to the next level, and if you're going to go to the next level and we're going to see consistency of people here, you're going to have to deal with your immaturity. As Christians, there is an expectation of growth, both as individuals and as a community. In Acts, they grew in favour with both God and man. Amen. They grew in favour with God and man. That doesn't mean people like you all the time, but you grow in favour. Yeah. You know, there's little things that give you compliments. I'm still working at the hospital as a chaplain and I went into gynaecology, which I don't normally need. (laughs) I went into gynaecology this week and they went, Dave, been waiting for you to come in. Would you be our guest at our staff Christmas dinner? You'll be the only man there apart from the consultants, but they've all asked consultants and the nurses they want you to be our guest at our Christmas dinner. Gynaecology. And I walked out there and I thought, 78, Women's department, I'm wanted. I'm needed. Why is that? I'm not being boastful, because I'm trying to be of value in my community. Yeah. And they found favour with God and with man. There's nothing special about being hated by everybody. 
Yeah, well, for Christ's sake, yes, well, they must respect you even though they kill you. They killed Paul, but they respected him. We have this ongoing maturity that inflates our, our posture before Christ. When we grow in God, we're just like a balloon. God blows, it blows his air into us. And we expand in his presence. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our faults, he sees his glory. Amen. Notice part of the ongoing procedure involves our maturity of speech. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I wonder when God listens to us if he hears. Don't like him. Don't like her. Won't go next week. Somebody upset me. I'm sitting in my seat eating my porridge, sleeping in my bed. As a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now notice, part of the growing procedure involves our speech. I spoke like a child. As with the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you got to the situation where you apologise to somebody and say, I don't know why I said that, I don't know where that came from. It came from your heart. The most honest time you ever are is when you lose control of yourself. Yeah. And out it comes. Blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. I don't, I've never thought that. Yes, you have. As in the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. Right. So if somebody loses their, loses their temper for the first time for ages, they tell the truth. That's what you think of me. That's what you think of this church. That's what you think of this town. That's what you think of this government. The truth has come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now as we grow in our Christian life, what comes out of our mouth determines our growth. I wonder if we could regularly listen to ourselves in our conversation in a week, how much negativity would come out in us. Can't, shan't, won't, don't, won't, we do. Can, will, must. Out of the mouth comes blessings and curses. Now a curse is not demonic. That word curse in the Greek means top off, limit. You can't do that. I grew up like that all the time. Car, you're thick as two planks. You'll never get a job. You'll never do anything in life because you're stupid. What are you, car? Stupid, sir. Correct. What is it, boys? He's stupid, sir. I grew up being stupid, not being able to do anything because that's what I was told and that cursed me. But in Christ, he said, Dave, you can do all things yes. in me yes. who strengthens you. Yes. Now, I can't do all things. I can't belly dance. I can't even belly dance. But my wife's teaching me to dance. Arthritis, dancing with Parkinson's. It's wonderful to see it in our conservatory. But I can do all things he wants me to do. I can do all things he calls me to do. I can do all things he needs me to do. Amen. I can do all things through Christ yes. who strengthens me. Amen. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying, I think I might listen to this when I get home on the, <laughs> on the podcast. I was listening to Darren this week, my mate. How about maturity of thinking? So if we're going to speak different, we're going to think different. I thought like a child. 
We're encouraged to mature, be mature in our thinking. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I find one final thing for your thoughts. I want you to think on those things that are true, honourable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Amen. You determine what you think on Amen. as a church, Amen. as a family, yeah. as an individual. Where are you going to think about this church? I had a meeting last week to see if my time was finished at Tamworth. I've been there about 18 months. And we had to think on where we should be. And we decided I'm going to stay as our pastor. And we're going to build a team and we're going to do this and this. I had to think it through. I had to think on these things. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to what is the Spirit saying to the church? Thinking. But don't think on the negatives, think on the positives. That doesn't mean that you act stupid, but think on those things that are going to edify you, build you up, build this church up, build this town up. Why are we always negative? Why is it, well, we can't do that? Well, we shouldn't do that. And I don't like that. Because it comes from Birmingham. <laughs> do we think on the truth? Or are we always listening to gossip? Are we looking on those things that are honourable, right, pure, lovely and admirable? How about maturity of reasoning? Speaking, thinking and reasoning. Come let us reason together. So when we get together, what's our reasoning like? 50 years I've been a pastor and I've listened to some people and I think, my God, I can't believe they thought that. How did they come to that conclusion? How did they get that out of what I preached last week? How come they said that? I never even mentioned it. So how come they phoned up and said, why did you say that last week when I never, I've listened to the tape, I've never even mentioned it? Because their reasoning is suspect. Yeah, true. How do you reason things out? Come let us reason together. Though my sins are as scarlet, they can be as white. How do you reason things out? Do you use the word of God? Do you hear the Holy Spirit? Or do you just go by hear, say? That's a good word, isn't it? Hear, say. But are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church? And if we're to grow individually in your marriage, in your job, as a church, we've got to change the way we reason. We've got to change the way we hear and think and speak. Paul calls us to reason together, to become mature in the way we fathom things out, to ponder these things like Mary did in her heart. Mary's mentioned very little in the Bible, but she says very wise. She said, do what he tells you to do, and she pondered things in her heart. Learn from Mary. Learn to be discerning, not jump into conclusions without seeking wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he gives it liberally and holds nothing back. Don't be reactive. So the inference is that we grow. We stop thinking and reacting as a child. We make a decision to put away those immature things. I remember in my life certain times when I had to mature. I used to have a vast selection of toy soldiers. Some men still do. But as I looked at them one day, the Lord said to me, that is evidence of your childhood. Give them away. You don't play with them. You keep them in a box. You used to play with them as a kid, fight battles. Hundreds of these toy soldiers I got, give them away. 
give them away to kids that would play with them. And so I had to pass them up and give them away. Then he said, no, give all your, your, your toy, to, toy cars away, your dinkies and your triangle and all, and give those away. I gave those away. No, I didn't have to because people collect them, but I gave them away because God said those are your childhood. You can't collect those and things. And I gave away my electric chain and the five engines to somebody who hadn't got it. Gave all that away. Then I collect football magazines, thousands of them, to get rid of all those. He said, because if you only read the word of God 50% as much time as you read the football, you'd be a better man. So sometimes we give away things which are legitimate and legal, but they're not good for our health and our growth. You have to give them away. My wife is good at giving away my clothes. <laughs> she said to me a year ago when I was sort of uh, almost 18 stone, she said, look at those lovely clothes. You never wear them. They're almost new. Somebody could do with those. You will never wear them again. Give them all away. So I go down to the hospice shop and they, they love us now. <laughs> Hi, Dave. What you got this time? I've got, I've got all my lovely clothes, my suits. Gave them away. I've lost almost two stone and I can get into them. They're not there anymore. <laughs> I've got a whole lot of stuff now which, I'm which are too big for me. <laughs> Come let us reason together, Molly. <laughs> Though my clothes were fitting me. They've been given away. The disciples didn't grow naturally. You don't naturally grow because I've been a Christian 20 years. Well, I've been a Christian 20 years. They've never asked me to do that at church and he's only been a Christian two years and they're asking him, so they don't know what Arvel's up to. <laughs> Look at all the churches I've been to. I've been to 22 churches. I'll position in 10 of them and he's not using me. Perhaps that's why. Because he's wondering who the next church will be. Am I speaking truth? Yeah. We've got to stop this. We've got to stop this. We've got to grow in God. We've got to mature. It wasn't natural for the, Christian, for the disciples. They had to learn this. 5,000. I've ever dreamt of having a church of 5,000. Not everybody dreams that. I did. 5,000 turn up. The disciples say, shove off. Jesus said, Pardon? Shove off. Jesus said, I would rather actually you feed them. Ha 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 ha. Shove off. <coughs> Don't assume that everybody wants this church to grow. Some will be gone when it grows because they don't get the personal attention they used to when it was smaller. <coughs> so then he gives them another chance, 4,000. So what are we going to do, boys? Please shove off. Pardon? Look at the time. Please shove off. Oh, they've learned to say please now. Then the children come. Oh my, wouldn't it be wonderful to have this place full of children? No, break the service. Running up and down, playing out of the front. No, a bit of order. Let's stick them out some right at the beginning. Children come, they go, shove off! <laughs> and Jesus said, well, I rather thought suffer unto, come unto me and I will bless them. Oh, that seems novel. All right, don't shove off. Up you come. That's our natural reaction if we're not in the spirit. I call it shove-off ministries. Now, you assume that everybody comes to this church thinking, well, by God's grace, it could be 200 by next year. No, 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 no. A lot will leave because they can't cope with growth. Leadership growth. 
church growth, moving into things of the Spirit, people lying on the floor, getting healed. As soon as the Holy Spirit comes, people leave. I haven't come to church to see people lying on the floor. All this speaking in tongues business. That's not what it used to be. It was great when there was only a few of us and Anna come and visit us and have a cup of tea with us, but now there's 500, she can't come now. We've grown too big. Listen, if you grow as big as your church, you'll cope with anything. Be it a small group or a big group, be it a small church or a large church, be it live music or canned music, you'll grow with it. Not everything will get right, not everything, you won't do anything right, Arvel. You worked for Birmingham City, that was a big error. <laughs> he knows what it is to suffer. He's been there, he knows what it is to sacrifice. Walk in there and Absolutely. say to the crowd, I see you've come, Ron. It doesn't mean we accept everything without questioning, but it means, and we query, but we are different people because we are growing in favour with God and with man. Yeah. We're right for a couple of more minutes. Yeah. I became phobic about growth. At the Transfiguration, they said, well, let's split you three up and build little booths for you. People always want to keep splitting things up all the time, don't they? Why do we want to minimise everything all the time? Trying to, but at Pentecost, notice this. At Pentecost, something changed. When they got filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people. Yes. One man preached to 3,000 people. Well, before Pentecost came, Jesus said to the disciples, why did you not want to grow with the five and the 4,000? What went wrong? Because the Bible says they didn't believe the disciples because of hardness of their heart. That is one of the most challenging scriptures I've read in the Bible. The disciples who saw God feed from loaves and fishes 5,000 and then 4,000 people when they saw the miracle happen, sitting them down in 50s and 100 because when you grow, you learn strategy. They didn't believe. So we can be here at Stratford today and this church can grow you can set them into 50s and 100s house groups and you still don't believe God's in it because it doesn't fit with your idea of thinking, speaking and discussing. And Jesus said, how many baskets did I give you yourselves at the end of the miracle? Twelve. Don't you understand what twelve means? No. No. 12 prophets, 12 apostles. It's the number of governance. I was offering you an opportunity to govern my church. You didn't see it. Some of you are frustrated because you're not being used of God because you've turned down the opportunity to serve him. Pardon? When God did a miracle and called you to do something, you gave it up. Hardness of heart. You couldn't see that God was offering you governance. How many in the feeding of the 4,000? Seven. Can't you see the authority that I'm giving you? Seven is the number of God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, God. Mind, body, soul, spirit, man. Four and three. The man Christ Jesus. I am giving you the authority to go do miracles. I'm giving you the governance to do miracles. They turned it down. If it hadn't been for Pentecost, they'd have been lost. 
And unless we have a Pentecost in our churches today, even amongst Pentecostal churches, unless we get another Pentecost, we're lost. Because we can't see growth. We can't see the growth in the individual, in the leadership, in the church, in the town. We can't see growth. Churches today are just clinging on to what they've got. But on the day of Pentecost, well, men and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, as the prophet Joel said. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your old men will dream dreams. Young men and women have visions. What must we do to be saved? Repent. Be baptised. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And 3,000 were saved that day. Some said, they are drunk and mocked them. He said, we are not drunk. The pubs aren't open yet. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were added to the church daily, such as were being saved. And they broke bread and went from house to house having fellowship. And lo, Arvel, lo, Lo, I am with you always. <laughs> Mrs. Lo. That's why you married him, aren't you? Cheat. Never said, car, I'm with you always. Almost finished. We can become like that. Small in faith. Small in church. Small in expectations. But Jesus needs to mature us. So God's looking for governance. Because the government will be upon his shoulders. We do not have the ability to govern until we reach maturity. You do not give governance to a child. We've not been created to be tossed about in any wind of doctrine. Secondly, maturity understands divinity. It becomes like him in our thinking. We become like him. Who has the mind of Christ? You have the mind of Christ. It's developing the mind of Christ as we grow in favour with God, in favour with man. As we grow in him, we begin to think like him. When I'm walking around the hospital, doing my chaplaincy, as I've told you before, I'm walking along this week, I was walking through one ward and the Lord said to me, try the side room. But there was nobody in there. Try the side room. I walked in and the husband of a woman who's been at renewal for many, many, many years and he's not a Christian, but he knows me. He shouts, Dave, what are you doing here? He said, I've come to see you. He said, did you know I was in here? I said, no, but God did. Amen. Can I pray with you? He said, yes. So I sat by his bed, held his hand. Prayed with him. He said, you wait until I tell my wife what I've seen. So he said, well, are you coming in here? I went, no. Because when we have the mind of Christ, he can say things like walk into this ward and you'll walk there. And the world will say, what a coincidence. And we'll say, no, I have the mind of Christ. You know, when you've been married long enough, I know the mind of my wife. I apologise now before I've done it. <laughs> She'll walk in the room and say, sorry, love, I didn't put it away. I'm sorry. I'm going to pick my pants up off the floor in the bedroom and now I'm going now. It's true, isn't it, love? Don't you tell me off when we get in that car. I'm only telling the truth now. I'm thinking maturely. Yeah? 
I love you anyway. Even if I do leave my pants on the floor. And everything else. And everything else, shut up. Almost finished. I'm glad we can laugh because medicine's better when we can laugh. But it's only then that we come into the rest of God. Children find it very hard to be still. We find it hard to be still and know that he's God. We need to reflect, relax, reposition, regroup, review. Isaiah 30, 15 says this, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you have none of it. Many Christians won't do it. So let's take this warning from this. Repentance, rest, quietness, trust brings strength. We need to mature in our lifestyle. So today, you can, we can, decide to put away those things that so easily stunt our growth. Benjamin Franklin said this, our growth is in Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of your glory. The Christ man came as man to redeem man, to live within man. So in the parables, it's about return, growth, harvest, investment, preparation. Our relationship with the Lord is not about maintenance, it's about improvement. Hebrews 6.1, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Basically, it's time in our faith to grow up, mature, and become impacting of a lifestyle. Today, where are we individually, as families, in business, leadership, in church? Are there areas in my life I need to grow up? Do I need to put away some childish things? Do I have to change the way I speak? Is that going to affect the conversation I'm going to have after this service is over, when I get home? Is it going to affect the way that I think? Is it going to affect the way that I share? Growth is reflected in who I am. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks in abundance. Think before you ink. Let's pray.